I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to an all new live episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew and I am pleased to say that the man in the frame to my left, my left, my right. Anyways, it's SP. <laughs> it depends on if you reverse the frame or not. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? It is a great Tuesday. It's March 10th, 2020, and it is an interesting time to say the least. A lot of things going on in the world, but we're going to focus on podcasting for the next hour. Exactly. Uh, also, we have the extreme of the colors for those who might be listening on Spreaker right now. Uh, I am wearing a black shirt and SP is wearing a vibrant orange with a yellow something or another with a very bright blue uh, shirt underneath. It's just like all sorts of opposites of colors right now. I feel like I need to maybe make my whole backdrop completely unilluminated. Well, maybe, you know, this jersey is my Iron Man jersey (laughs) from Geeky Jerseys, which you can check out at geekyjerseys.com. That's why you're seeing all the different colors and I've got a blue undershirt on the yellow is kind of I don't know what to call it in a normal person this would probably be a dicky but I don't know what they call it in a hockey jersey well the good news is I actually have some gorilla tape right here which is black so it's not going to help but I can brighten things up a little bit if I grab my drone pad uh, uh whatever this is the thing that uh, sticks in the ground spike and I can tape it on myself so now I have a level of color why don't you put the entire landing pad? You know, it's got either a blue or an orange side to it, right? Yeah. Put one of those sides on, then you'll be fine. So if you didn't know this, uh, we do this every other week. We do a little live chat, live Q&A, whatever we want to call it. I don't think we've locked down a name yet on it, but we do like to talk about some just stuff that's happened in the world of podcasting, answer some questions that people might have, and just generally have a bit of an open forum so that uh, we can offer more content now to people. And one of the things I want to start off right now, and it's it's a thing that I know SP gets so a- angry that people ask all the time about, and it comes up like every other month, and, and he hates it. And it's all to do with my in-ear monitors. Uh, let's just answer that off the bat right now. This past week, we did have somebody on YouTube on the last video ask us about how I hear without having anything in my ears. Well, Ignore the fact that I said in-ear monitors because I just thought of a joke. I actually don't wear anything because I have cybernetic implants in my in my brain that makes me hear. All Canadians do, right? Yeah. yeah. Kidding aside, I actually use what's called in-ear monitors, so it's hard to see, but they are there. Um, and I use clear ones. Um, they're the Sure SE215s. I actually think it might be time for me to replace them for a couple of reasons, but I've had them a few years. Uh, but there are just the tips or the entire thing. I, I'm going to replace probably the whole thing at some point. You know, <laughs> I, it's like your headphones, how you use the, uh, the Sony 7506s for a while. Then you use yeah. the ATH M40s for a while. Now you're using the Shures. I'm kind of feeling the same way, but I use the clear color because they do come in a variety of colors. And so it, it does hide it a little bit better now without getting, you know, too, showing too much that I'm overdue for haircut. Uh, I, they are still, they're still wire there. Uh, for, if you want to check this out, video viewer, uh, head on over to YouTube or go to betterpodcasting.com. You'll be able to see this as well. If you're listening on Spreaker. It's not just the fact that I've used a lot of these headphones. It's that they do break down after a while. I am holding in my hands, the Sony MDR 7506s, and I still have them hooked up to my, a soundboard so I can monitor from the soundboard. But if you go over to the YouTube video, you will see the pad and the degradation that is occurring in the pad. It's not so bad in the uh, right than the left, but it is degrading on both of them. You can get aftermarket pads for these. I just haven't bothered to yet, but eventually the stuff, it, especially if you use it all the time and I've used it, four or five times every week for the last four or five years, it, it starts to go bad. So you need to update your equipment every once in a while. Matter of fact, I'm going to do an article on betterpodcasting.com about when I would recommend on when to upgrade certain points of gear. And I saw 
it, I, I had this plan weeks ago, but I saw Bandrew was also doing something similar. So it'd be interesting if we compare and contrast between the two on what it is. I'm deliberately not going to see his <laughs> stuff uh, so that I'm not influenced by it. But my impetus to doing it was the fact that I've had to upgrade emergency a lot of stuff just within the past couple of months. So I'm like, okay, this is a good time to talk about tech refresh when you should expect to have to spend money on the stuff that you're using. Uh, I will, why am I free? It keeps freezing tonight. Sorry, everybody. Um, one thing that I should mention right now is like headphones. SP mentioned that his headphones are ha have certain sign of wear. Uh, and also, I think if you were to really closely examine like the actual headband itself of the seven, uh, which one did you use more? 7506 or the ATH M40s? I, ooh, I probably use them equally before I stopped using both. Okay. Well, you still would probably see signs of wear on those parts as well, more than just the ear cups. Maybe not as much as the ear cups, but there's probably some signs of wear because all equipment wears, right? Yeah. The main wear that I've had on both of them, because I had to buy new pads for the ATHM 50Xs, was the pads wow. on both of them. That's great. Yeah. Not the headband, but the, the actual ear cup pads. Well, anyways, my in-ear monitors, they're not uh, impervious to wear as well. They also show signs of wears. Not only have I had to replace the tips, which is essentially the equivalent to the ear cups on headphones, uh, the actual units themselves also show some signs of wear because they're they're metal. So like they're, they're meant so that you can kind of set the position. So obviously things wear out with time. So they are, they are showing some signs of wear as well. But I don't know, my, maybe this year. Damien in the chat, he brings up a good point that I want to expand on. He says, the pads on my old Beats wireless are dead. I don't know if I can replace them, though. Remember, Stephen, I have those wireless Sony yes. ear, earphone, er, yeah, earphones, and the pads have gone bad on two of them. I had a total of three, and the battery went bad, too. I cannot replace the battery. Battery's gone, and uh, two of the headsets are gone, so I'm on my last one. The ear cups, I cannot find replacements anywhere because it's just, it's huge. It's a big circle and they don't make those headphones anymore. So yeah, sometimes you actually have to go and, and refresh and buy a whole new thing. Now, because these studio monitors, the Sony's MDR 7506s have been industry standard for so long, that's why there's replacement parts available for them. But for a consumer grade wireless headset, I'm not so sure you're going to find parts to replace it either the battery or in the wireless versions or the ear cups so i just thought i would mention that right now and i don't know maybe eventually i'll extract this and link that uh, to the person that commented i'm not i should probably go afterwards and copy the time code from this but yes hopefully that answers the question i do use in-ear monitors and uh again overdue for a haircut so it sort of uh hides it well <laughs> <laughs> We also got a comment in the chat from Liberty Dude. He said he bought his first item off of eBay. We'll find out Thursday if I'm a big dope. And he went for the Electro Voice RE320. And he's saying it is $150. The claim is used, but in mint condition. Fun fact, the Electro Voice RE320 that Steven is using is also used and was listed as mint condition. And it, it, ha it was almost mint condition. There was a scratch on it, but it was in good condition. Now, to follow on the story that I gave, I believe, last time was the fact that you never know when you're buying equipment off of eBay whether it's going to be a smoker used or not. So I don't know, Liberty Dude, if you saw a non-smoker in the ad or not, but just be prepared if it comes and it smells, it's going to be difficult to get out. I uh, still have the uh, EVR, the EVRE320. Uh, always at the ready in case I want to dig it out. It's one that I do not actually keep in in my cupboard that has all these other ones. Go ahead and show the case. So for the uh, people who might be checking out the uh, audio side of things, I'm holding up a case and there is, it is, I don't know, how big do we figure this is? It's, it's about two of the microphones wide. Yeah, and it's got a nice little foam insulation in their pad uh, for the microphone with the... Um, the clip to go in and it's nicely nice and snug nice and snug and uh, it doesn't go anywhere it's, it's well protected yeah the the lid is less protected than anything else yeah. of it but yeah it's it's a pretty nice case that comes with the re320 yeah and it feels rugged like it, it's not one of those ones that 
feels like a shaver case. High <coughs> LPR forty. Uh, so it, it, I think it would actually give pretty good protection if if you were like traveling with it. Uh, also, by the way, uh, in regard to the used RE three twenty, um, I would probably highly suggest that you uh, disinfect it because you never yes. know what else is on there. Yeah, I got my disinfected kit right here. We've said something about it on the podcast. I forget what episode, but we did go over cleaning your mic on a podcast before. And I, I got this kit out before and I still use it today. And it's got, I probably need to update it. It's got some phonoene cleaning and deodorizer. And the deodorizer is not strong enough to take out smoke smell, but there you go. And yeah, if you're using your microphone, I would say every, depending on how clean you want to be, every, and how much you spit on the microphone, honestly, every one to three months, you'll want to actually go ahead and clean your microphone. By the way, in the chat, Bangs Naughty Bit says, see if the foam rattles in the RE20 or the RE320, the foam dries out and has to be factory replaced. I don't know. You don't I have, have my... to factory replace it. You can buy replacement foam and do it yourself but but the process of getting that foam up in the microphone barrel is a bear trust me i've done it not with the re320 but on the mxl bcd1 that i did so i can imagine that it would be the same uh also let's go ahead and get this one out of the way right now um only because i want to leave the room for five minutes uh SP, you had something interesting happen to you this past week, and uh, let me just get it out of the way. Congratulations there. You said something nice. Let's continue on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're referring to the guest appearance that I had on Jim Harold's Podlords podcast. No, that no, came I was out. referring to the fact that you had a conversation with me. That's always a nice thing to have is a conversation with you. I actually did have a conversation with you prior to <laughs> the Podlords episode that yeah, I did. recorded. I was uh, yeah, talking episode- about Port- Podlords, yes. Yeah. Episode 32 of Podlords dropped a couple of days ago as we were recording this. Jim Harrell was very gracious and had me on. We had a great fun time talking about hobby podcasting. In listening to the episode, there's a lot more that I wanted to say about the subject. But hey, you only get 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and you get what you get. So just be cautious. Uh, if you go into an interview situation, make sure you throw the stuff that you want to talk about first. And yes, I did. I, everything that I wanted to talk about was actually on there. But we went to some interesting places, including Paywall. Paywall for independent and hobbyist podcasters. Yeah, you did a wonderful job, SP. And I just wanted to say right now, congratulations. All joking aside, all front that I just put up a second ago. Uh, seriously, congratulations. You deserve it. Uh, you have worked very, very hard to be a recognizable name within the podcast industry. You have answered a lot of questions in a lot of places. You, Bangs is going to get so upset about this. You have been a monumental asset over on Reddit over the last couple of years. And uh, I think that you were a leader and a champion over there. And definitely uh, you, sh- you deserved that appearance. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. But if you listen to the episode two minutes in, Jim made a comment about you. So I expect to hear your episode sometime later on this year on Podlords. Yeah, well, we don't talk about me. We don't talk about me. Okay. Okay. He brought it up. I didn't. But no, seriously, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Also, if you do want to go ahead and hear the uncut version of that, uh, it doesn't exist. So you'd have you'd have to solicit Jim for that. I'm sorry. Just thought I'd tease that. Okay. Yeah. It it was interesting being a guest on another podcast about podcasting because everybody does something a little differently. Everybody has a little bit different workflow and it was just fun getting back into it and getting back into guesting and seeing how somebody, uh, another pro and Jim is a pro, by the way, he's a professional podcaster. He's independent, but he's professional podcaster and has been podcasting since 2005. So it was very, very much of an honor to be on the show. So let's briefly talk a little bit about one of the challenges that I encountered this past week while I was trying to get better podcasting together. And Oh my goodness, we <laughs> okay. both have had issues. Go okay. ahead. Let's go ahead and just blame Windows right away. Uh, there you go. Go well, ahead. You can blame Windows. I can't. Okay. Josh, you can go ahead and, and give a little check mark there if you want in the Stephen hates on windows count uh okay so 
here's the situation. This past week, I was trying to get better podcasting rendered. I had done all the editing and whatnot, and I could not get it to save. And the problem that I also had, when this has been an intermittent problem since the last big Windows update, actually it was probably the previous one, it was in February, where sometimes when I go to load a file, a project file in Movie Studio, it comes up with a error, a um, like a, a file file error. And now the file's totally fine. Uh, I can go and I can switch out the file for another file and it still gives an error. And there's no rhyme or reason how I fix it. I have a routine that I go through where I go and I delete a bunch of temporary files. I restart my computer and I keep this cycle going until it works. And eventually it works. Well, last week, I could not get Movie Studio to save. Now, the challenge was, I'm... Well, wait a minute. Not save the file, but render Sorry, render the, the file. file. Export yeah. the audio, export the video. Either one. I, I would have just put out the audio at that point, if that's what I could have done. And long story short was, I'm going to reinstall Windows. It will likely fix all of these problems. I've seen it fix these sort of problems before. And... I ended up having to go and completely clear out all signs of any movie studio uh, temporary file, any plugins that I had remotely in there. I had to delete a bunch of folders and then reinstall it. And it finally, finally worked. So I can't say for sure it's Windows because of the fact that it could very well be a movie studio thing. But I also have upgraded movie studio in between the time that this has happened and it's happened on both. So I think that it's actually, I actually think it might be related to the, um, the, this is a random speculation, perhaps related to the um, NVIDIA codec because of the fact that there was something along the way where I solved the problem by turning it off. One of the issues I was having, I turned it off and it worked, but I, I, it's a total shot in the dark. So I don't know. I'm going to reinstall Windows, but I finally got it working. And now after this live stream, I'm going to get the reinstall going because I just I knew that if I reinstalled Windows on Sunday, I was not going to get the show out the door. By the time I got everything reinstalled, I got all of my plugins in. It was it was not going to happen. And then yesterday on Monday was the Guinea Geek show. Wasn't going to get done yesterday. Today was the live stream. It wasn't going to get done today. So it was a headache. It was a pain. And I was never, ever, ever so happy to see that file render. <laughs> I could tell when you're frustrated over the messaging that we have back and forth and I get it and I was pulling for you. There was absolutely nothing I could do for you. I was like, oh my gosh, I was simultaneously having similar issues, although different from what Steven was. So a couple of weeks ago, I think I told everybody that I've updated my hard drive on my computer. I went from a 500 gigabyte OS SSD drive, which I'm holding in my hand for the YouTube viewer to a one terabyte SSD drive. Still the same 2.5 inch SSD drive. I didn't go to an M.2 drive. Well, I cloned the drive. I actually had to pay for a service to clone the drive because of the expanding of the partitions and the way that uh, the cloning was working. I was trying to use CloneZilla, and unfortunately that didn't work because I was going to have to move around the partitions. And I remember I did it free last time, but I remember it taking me like several hours and it just didn't have the time. So I paid 40 bucks for an easy US program to go ahead and clone the drive simultaneously expanding the partition. You can do that with some programs. Do I recommend that to most hobbyists? No. I mean, if you can go ahead and do it on your own, great. But if you're unfamiliar with how to clone a drive and expand it, you might want to go with a program like that. Anyway, I went ahead and just cloned the drive and put it in thinking everything would be fine. Everything booted up fine. I even had my, my Chrome stuff that was fine and everything. So I thought everything was fine. I went to go edit a file in Audacity and it was running RX5 as an effect and it wouldn't run. So I had to reauthorize that. Okay. Uh, and then I went in into Movie Studio 16 and I was doing uh, importing a new Legends of Shield uh, video to edit and two of the tracks were completely silent. Well, it turns out I was running RX7 on those two tracks and I had to reauthorize them. And unfortunately, or, or fortunately, I had enough authorization. I had to deauthorize the same computer I was using and then authorize it again. And it was fine. 
Uh, the th other thing that I, I really, uh, I, I can't blame them for doing this, but I just, I was really hitting my head over this one. Cause I'm like, I can't believe I have to do this, but I was glad to support them. So the ID three tag her that I use, it's called tag and rename. And I went ahead and tried to use it and it, it wouldn't work because it wasn't authorized. Now I could have gone through the 30 day thing, but I was going to have to come right back to the point of using it again. I did look in my email. I found the original authorization code and I tried that and it wouldn't work. The reason why it wouldn't work is they have evolved since I bought it five years ago. Yes. Five years ago is when I bought tag and rename and they've revised it. I think I was on version one or two at the time. I was running the last version of version three and they're now on version four. So they weren't allowing my older authorization to be a fourth generation authorization. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I've been using it for five years and I had to pay another 30 bucks in order to get the authorization, which I think is in, in the value for value model. I mean, if they're updating this and if I'm using it and if it's useful to me, 30 bucks over five years from a program, that's not bad. So no. I went ahead and paid it. Great deal. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of supporting things that work well for you. Um, even if you don't have to necessarily upgrade, like in a semi-regular fashion like that, I think that that's five years. That's a great run and it's served you well. So why not give them a little more money to keep going? Uh, also, cause otherwise, you know, if everybody's buying perpetual soft licensed software, that's basically non-subscription and nobody else is buying, are they going to keep creating it? So if they, you know, they need to have the money occasionally. It's like Affinity, okay? Affinity Photo is a version of Photoshop. It's, sorry, a company's take on graphic design software. So it's like Photoshop. I had desire to try the comparable to Illustrator, Affinity Designer. I didn't really need it. I had used Affinity Photo for a few years successfully. And there was a sale on Affinity Designer and I just went, okay, whatever. They had, I am glad that they are giving me a product that I don't have to get into the Adobe subscription model. And so I, I bought it because it was on sale, but I was like, yeah, I want to support them. So I went through and I did that. Uh, let's also, by the way, quickly chat about a comment that Steph Uchio asked, well, made in our Discord. And I think it's something that we can expand on a little bit here. She had said, uh, I have never understood time notes to help with editing. How is that possible? When a section is deleted, don't all the time locations change? Thanks. So this is essentially when somebody is editing a podcast based off of having time markers on when something has happened uh, it, that needs to be edited. This is how I edit. I create a list of time codes while I go through and I create the podcast. Some people do this through technology and they use a flag on a recorder or something like that. Well, you're absolutely correct that it will get out of sync. But what you have to do to fix that is you have to work from the end of your file and work backwards because then they are going to stay in sync because you're doing the last one. And then the last one, once that's all taken care of, you no longer need it. So you go to the second last one, which is still in sync because you haven't touched anything before that. So that's how you do that. Um, the thing that I think is really, really beneficial to this is you can get rid of some of that junk up front. Like, let's say that you're recording a podcast by yourself and you got kids and you got to go deal with them part way. You can go. And even if you're just writing down a few points, like let's say that you, you are going to write down three points in your entire show, but you're going to edit more. You can still take out those big chunks. So now when you do your front to end edit, you have those removed. So um, I think that uh, it's definitely a good question. Everybody edits a little bit differently. Everybody can create notes a little bit differently. And so I just thought I'd go ahead and mention that right now because I thought it was a good question because yes, absolutely, the time markers will get out of sync. Yeah, they will. And uh, another way, like solo podcasters, what you can do is just be silent for like 5, 10, 15 seconds. And you can see that in the waveform. You don't necessarily have to go back to front with that, but you can, and it it would work that way too. I would love to edit back to front. I really would, because that would mean I would have time codes 
of which I could go back and refer to. Now, unfortunately, in the shows that I edit and the fact that I am not a wonderful multitasker like Steven is as a great producer, I cannot write down those edit points. So I do edit front to back, but I do wish I could edit back to front because it makes so much more sense to me. Well, and one of the best parts about that is because you're like, you start your editing at the end. So you're like, hey, I'm almost done. It's at the end of the show before you realize that you have a whole bunch more to do. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, so it was a great question by Sam. Yeah. It was a great conversation that was in the Discord server too. So thank you, Steph, for bringing that up. And thank you to everybody in the Discord server that chimed in that we even had a an honest to goodness movie producer chime in too yeah no absolutely um by the way uh one other thing that i thought was an interesting thing that just came up today was from yakko.org it's about copyright youtube claims uh you go ahead and read this out and then we'll talk talk briefly <sighs> okay. about this okay yeah th this is going to be fun for us to talk about because this has happened more than once okay <laughs> Yakko Doctor, which is Jeremy from the Transmissions Podcast, he wrote, I just got the dumbest copyright claim on YouTube. We use Libsyn to put our audio podcasts on YouTube, and I know it's not recommended, but we do have some views there and some comments on the episodes, so I don't see the harm. The most recent episode was a review of a cartoon episode from 2008. Just audio with this one static image. We played no clips from the show. Just us talking. We got a manual copyright claim by Hasbro for the entire duration of the episode, not just some small portion like I've seen before. I can only guess it's because of the screen capture from the episode that was the image from the episode. I personally don't see how a manual review would have flagged that, but YouTube is broken. We don't rate monetization on YouTube. We don't rate monetizing on YouTube. So I don't know if it's worth disputing, but it pisses me off. It pissed me off too, Jeremy. Yeah, so I think that you're probably right. My assumption as soon as I read this um, before I actually finished your message was the image. And the reason why I think it's the image and I immediately went thinking it was the image was because you said that it went the whole length. And that's a pretty good indication that it's something that's in there the whole time. And it's probably because your image is there as a static image the whole time. The reason why. Before I continue, I feel it's my due diligence to say that images are copywritten and that there are things that you probably want to consider before you use an image of somebody else. But this is a screenshot from a cartoon. So it's one frame from the cartoon. Images are copyrighted, and I'm not a lawyer, but images are copyrighted. And so I, d I don't know. I'm not going to say either way, but I will say that there are images that are copyrighted and that there are companies that are are hired to pursue copywritten images and try to pay, get fines for those because of the legalities that they're allowed to. So I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I just know that copyright enforcement on images is a thing. I also highlight the fact that I have seen many, many, many YouTubes use images and screenshots and other things completely fine. But the thing that I, I kind of thought was interesting about this was the fact of like, how do you pursue this? Like, how do you proceed with this? If you're not monetizing your channel, you're not really going to suffer much by pulling down that video. And if it was me, I would pull down that video and try to re-upload it without the image in there. Or another image. Or another image, yeah. I, I, I would, I would not use... Another screen, not another screenshot yeah. from that episode, like an image of your podcast, yeah. your logo, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And the reason why I would do this is because I've personally taken the approach. I'm not trying to make money on it. I'm not suffering when I lose 10, 20, 30 views on YouTube, even 100, 200 views. I'm not losing anything because I'm not monetizing that YouTube. So I'm not going to fight the fight, even if I'm legally right. I'm going to go and just make a change, get that strike gone if it's not a big, significant change to my podcast. And an example of this is the fact on this very show, 
years ago on Facebook, we were getting we got flagged for one of the stingers that we used in the middle of of the live stream or in between the segments. And it was clear I was allowed to use it. I knew I was allowed to use it. I had checked the copyrights. I had checked everything. I was totally fine to use it. However, I got flagged and I went and I did the dispute. And guess what? I was successful at the dispute. Facebook said, yep, go ahead, continue. Uh, removed the mute because the video was muted, removed it. And I was off to the races. Well, the next week, it happened again, again, because of something automatic. And you know what I did? Never used that sound again. Never used that ever again on the show. That, that was it there and then. Never played it again because of the fact that I wasn't going to deal with technology. I got a thousand other things that I can use in place of that. And I, I don't want to have to fight this every single time. And, you know, I'm also not going to leave the video up and let someone else, you know, monetize it. So I deleted the videos and whatever. Right. So it's the same thing with YouTube. There's been a couple of times that I, there, I've had somebody incorrectly flag it. And this, this happened on Gunna Geek. Someone flagged our live stream. Luckily, it was the live video. Again, manual flag. They said it was XYZ song. I looked up XYZ song, wasn't anything close to anything we played on the podcast, nothing at all similar. So I disputed it. And the, few, the first steps of YouTube dispute is they go back to the person who issued it and they say, hey, would you take a look at this? Have a look. Do you agree? To which that person who incorrectly flagged my podcast, I'll, I'll give you one guess, SP, what they said. Oh, Yeah. We, yes, we reviewed it. It is definitely ours. Absolutely, they did. But they took it another step. I had another live video that was flagged with another song, again, by the same artist or the same uh, label. Again, completely different. So they went and they're like, mm, you can dispute this. I'm going to go flag another one. And when you get to the second stage in YouTube, at least this is how it was at the time, there's a big warning because I went to do the second step, if you disagree. And it, it goes... If there is a problem and we find you wrong, it will no longer be a copyright warning. It will be a strike, a strike, which strikes carry a whole other set of weight than uh, than a copyright warning or whatever it is. And so at that point, because it was my live videos, it was something that I usually would delete. I went screw it and I left it alone and I deleted the videos. And guess what? They didn't actually come back. They They never came back after that. I got lucky that time that they didn't come back. But I wasn't about to take that chance because of the fact that if YouTube some a lot of times errs to the, the side of caution, I didn't want to end up in that situation. So that's how I handled that one there. Now, there's another side of things where right, right now there is actually a problem, a potential problem with the Guinea Geek intro, the Guinea Geek show intro. That there I am going through the dispute process because of the fact that if I change that, I have to redo the entire intro music. I have to find a new one. I have to change some other things. It's a bigger thing. And where I've got this music through, they've got a thing saying, we see that this happens from time to time. We can't control the automatic copyright flag because that we were essentially selling third-party sources. If this happens, do this, cite us. And things will usually work out in the end. So I'm going through the process on that and hoping for the best on that. But again, if I'm right, I know I'm right. I've got the license that says I'm right. If they come back and they say no, I'll probably again change the intro. I know it sucks. I'm going into it, but it's it's they haven't flagged all of our videos. It's just a specific video that had more of the, the intro in it. And I'm just not going to play that game because again, if they flag me on YouTube, where else might they flag me down the road? So if if I'm unsuccessful. One of the sailing YouTube channels that I watched had a similar thing happen to them over the holidays, and they didn't upload a video for like a month. And everybody was like, are you okay? Are you okay? They're like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. There'll be a new video out as soon as we can. And everybody was like, oh, I wonder what happened. Because they were dropping one or two videos a week at the time. It's learning the lines, by the way. And it turns out that they were going through this copyright strike issue. And it was part of their intro or outro, which was on all of their videos. And they're like, okay, we need to dispute this because if we upload another one, just like you were saying, we don't want to have the same issue 
uh, again and again and again. So they waited, I believe, four weeks before it came back that it was not a copyright strike. And of course, they're monetized, so they could potentially have you lost all of that uh, monetization. But fortunately, I think YouTube has changed the way they do things, and they park that monetization in a temporary account now before you just lost it. Now they at least park it somewhere, so you eventually get the AdSense from that. In their chat, Bangs Naughty Bit says, always fight the fight. Again, as a hobby podcaster who is doing this out of fun with limited time, I've just taken on the philosophy that my time is not worth it. It's it's not worth fighting the fight. And it sucks because I know it's giving in. And there's many other aspects of my life that I will absolutely fight the fight. But for this, I'm just not willing to if it's something like a stinger. Again, I do have a line, as I've just illustrated by the Guinea Geek Show intro. That's That's the line that I've said at this moment. It's nice to have a line. <laughs> uh, in our chat at Geeks.Live, we had Liberty Dude ask us, uh, when choosing to render your file, what is your current recommended bit rate, etc., and your reasoning? Uh, I say always, always save as a 32-bit WAV file. 32-bit WAV file and upload it. Uh, it'll be several hundred megabytes on your storage and uh, everybody will hate you who downloaded. But that's my recommendation. It's not true. Steven, yeah. <laughs> Steven and I actually have slightly different philosophies. And again, it's personally based. Uh, but uh, so I have an ear problem and it's been pervasive in better podcasting since we started. So it's n nothing new. But eventually I'm going to go deaf in one ear. So I like to do stuff in mono because I, I don't like the, the left right. I don't even like the left right that people do like, OK, this person is talking over here. So let's do 70 percent of the voice over here and 30 percent of the voice on the other side. And then swap it around for the other person talking. I don't like that. And so I like mono. And because I like mono, I don't see the uh, any reason to go beyond 96 kilobits per second in terms of bit rate. I mean, that's just how I think of it. And I do think there's a reason to go up from 64 to 96 because I do hear a difference between 64 to, to 96 bit rate. And I know it can get smoother the more you go up. Also, you got to think in terms of storage as well. How many podcasts are you uploading every month? And then what is your storage plan? If you're using Pinecast, it's basically unlimited. If you're using Libsyn, odds are you're either on the 250 or the 400 megabits per month plan. So just make sure your podcasts fit underneath that. I, I will say don't go, definitely don't go below, go below 64 but go as high as you can in order to get uh, a good sound across. And, and then keep in mind, there are still download limits across the world. So you do want that final file to be somewhere under 100 megabytes per file. Um, yeah, I 100% agree between about the 64 to 96 thing. Um, I have had many, many disagreements with a variety of people over the years who say you can't tell the difference between 64 and 96. I can absolutely I can. tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and especially, especially if you have like any level of music in there. But even without that, there's just this sort of like almost tinny sound, like this is almost ringing in the upper frequencies between 64 and 96. Uh, so I would definitely say minimum 96 is my current recommendation. Uh, I personally go to 128 because I still hear a difference. Subtle, but the big reason why I've made that big push is because of the fact that if you look at some different sources, and I'd have to look it up to see. I want to say Spotify is one, but I could be wrong. There are recommended practices that all of these people who are getting into podcasting are putting out. And one of them, um, I think it was Spotify, uh, said that they were recommending a minimum of 128. But the reason, I'm, I'm not saying they're the golden goose or anything, but I'm just saying it's an example on where some things are going. And people make the argument all the time, well, is that 128 stereo? Doesn't That could be a moot point because of the fact that if their algorithm is simply doing a bitrate check, it won't matter if, if uh, 128 stereo is the equivalent to 64 mono. If it's simply doing a bitrate check to see what bitrates it's encoded in, that might go, well, it's not 128. We don't care that it's it's 96 mono. 
it, 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 so we do, we need to know more about that. But I'm just saying it's showing the trending direction. Um, I think Amazon Voice Services recommends something stupid like 320 for their skills. It's something insane like that. But again, I think it shows the direction things are going. And so uh, I got no problem with people who who do 96. I listen to them all the time. Don't really think much about it. I think all the time about someone that I listen to in 64. <laughs> yeah, so great question. Thank you very much. If Oh, Bang Sunday Bits brings up the real question. Is it uh, 44.1 mm. or 48 kilohertz and why? Uh, well, I mean, 44.1 is CD quality. So a lot of people have been doing that for a while. So it's 44,100 hertz or 44.1 kilohertz or 48 kilohertz in terms of sampling rate. Uh, I've been producing at 44.1 and for a long time, there was a reason that things would get out of sync if you didn't have things lined up properly from the recorded file to how you were actually producing it, say in Audacity or whatever DAW that you were actually editing in it. You had to make sure everything was the right thing. I haven't heard too much of that lately. So I think the modern or the updated DAWs are to the point where they can go back and forth, but it could still distort. So I would at least say in whatever you're recording in, that's probably where you want to edit it. Uh, also, by the way, follow-up question from Liberty Dude. He's saying, is one hour show mono 128-bit under 100 megabytes? Just to give you an idea, last week's Better Podcasting was 57 minutes and four seconds. It was encoded at 128 kilobits per second. It was 52.5. Last week's, uh, actually, yeah, two weeks ago, Gonna Geek Show was 59 minutes and three seconds encoded at 128 kilobits per second mono. It was 54.3 megabytes. Just to give you an idea of some real world numbers as I encoded. And that uh, was through Movie Studio. And I'm not sure how much of a difference it is. I haven't done this test today, but between the Fraunhofer and the lame MP3 codec, I believe that Movie Studio uses Fraunhofer. Don't ask me to spell that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm just bringing up um, the time on my... Um on my disk drive here so I can tell how long the file is versus how big I can see how big it is, but I don't have the time enabled. So are you on your, uh, are you on window the little live riveting, uh, go view and then, um, click on details pane next to navigation pane. If you're an explorer. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm on details, but it, uh, you, weird. You got when, me I, when I click on the MP3, I see it on the right side. Odd. Uh, well, no, I, I think I turned it off. Oh. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the more and I just have to go length, I believe is what they call it in windows, windows 10. I was oh. looking for time, but I, I believe it's length and I know this is riveting. Yeah. Okay. Length. <laughs> while, we go. while he's looking, so, hold on. Oh, yeah, I, I got, got it. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, episode 320 was one hour and five minutes and it was 45.8 megabits, uh, episode three megabytes episode 319 was 41 minutes and 34 seconds that was 29.2 megabytes we get another hour so episode 313 was an hour and a minute and it was 42.8 and these were all encoded at 96 so slightly less of course than the 128 but still up there okay here's a random question for you if it was more widely supported, would you consider using Flack lossless? Because I'll give you an idea. It's significantly more, but I'm looking right now. So there was, um, I've got right now uh, at the standard encoding that Chris used on that episode of the Guinea Geek show. It was one hour and 12 minutes. So uh, hold on. I'm just doing a little bit of math. It was 120 megabytes. So that would be divided by 72 uh times what did i say 59 was that episode 50 59 i thought it was 56. 59 so it would would it like a flack at the 59 minute mark would be about 98 megabytes compared to the 55 megabytes oh yeah and if you did wave it'd be like so, what 300 right so i'm just saying like it's it's obviously near double but it's it's actually under that double amount we, and i think he, i think there's a way to make it slightly more but if flack was more widely com, uh or 
available, would you consider it? I, I don't know. I don't know that I, I would for a podcast. If I was a music podcast, I would. Like, it, like where I was legally cleared to do music and, and other things. I just don't know that I would I would need that. But I also sure that 10 years ago, I probably would have said, I don't know that I need 128 kilobits per second. <laughs> yeah, it was a different time. Audio quality standards were a lot less than they are today. And even though the vast majority of your audience won't care, there will be a few people that care. And if you're doing a tech podcast like uh, on podcasting, like we do on better podcasting, people are going to care. So while we don't go overboard, we do try to go up to a certain point that is nice, smooth audio. And that's what I used to do with Starling Tribune. That's what I do with uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've always published at 96, whether it be Voices of Defiance or Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition. It's always been 96 mono. Uh, now, there is something to be said about stereo nowadays versus mono. I mean, you do publish in stereo, right, Stephen? No, I don't do stereo. No. Oh, okay. No, I thought I'm, you did. I'm mono. I don't need stereo. Who needs stereo? I, I don't. Not for a, a voice you podcast. Know, I will say no. that the only reason that I really have thought about doing stereo was for a gag of some form on a podcast where it would have been really good to have like someone on the left and then the right for a gag. That's the only reason I think I've thought about it over the years was a a joke during an episode. <laughs> I just realized it touched my face, man. I, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> um, actually, you know, the other reason that you might want to do stereo would be the whole effect thing. If you wanted to like, you know, have someone oh, sound just... like they were walking like, hey, I'm I'm walking to sit down at my I'm, I'm moving for everybody, but my sound's mono. So it well, I was matter. just thinking of audio dramas. You know, we had yeah. Sarah Way Werner on on the show. She's a wonderful resource when you're talking about audio dramas. I mean, I, I can just about guarantee you both Stephen and yeah. I would love to be part of audio dramas, but that's not what we do. So if you need to know more about audio dramas, I would definitely follow Sarah Ray Warner. And those episodes are generally shorter. You don't generally get an audio drama that's an hour long. They're half an hour long. They're 15 minutes long. They're 20 minutes long, usually. So with those length of episodes, you can go more heavy and go stereo 128 or higher. And it'll sound great to the people that are listening to it on their surround sounds that can convert mm -hmm. from stereo to surround, that sort of thing. So I, I would hardly recommend that if you're doing an audio drama that you do uh, edit in, in stereo or you do produce in stereo and that you do produce uh, in uh, a higher bit rate. Agreed. I think that's going to go and take us towards the end of our uh, live stream. Uh, I'm sorry, everybody who's watching video. For some reason, every, I don't know, two minutes, my my camera's freezing. I don't know what's going on. Not you're, gonna... you're planning on redoing your Windows machine this weekend, uh, right? Exactly. That's why I don't. Yeah. You know what? It probably will be something that I, I start tonight or tomorrow. Like, I might even, after we shut down, pop the drive in and see because I might as well get it going. Yeah. Uh, so... I won't um, I won't give anything away because the story is ongoing, but I do have news when it comes to my failed hard drive. So, yeah, it touched my face again. So I'm just stroking my beard. That's I, I know. So did I. But I mean, you got to get away from that sort of stuff. Anyway, the hard drive failure does have an, a next step in the story, and I'm just not prepared to talk about that next step yet. I've, I've got one more thing I got to run down before I actually talk about it. So in two weeks, we'll be talking about that. Before we go, Bangs Naughty Bits says, image a backup before you start. First off, I, I do, anytime I'm reinstall, reinstalling a drive, I do create an image. However, generally over the last little while with SSD pricing the way that they have been, I'll say that in past tense, I've, I've been they've actually... They've gone back up a little. Yeah. yeah, they've gone up a little bit now. But the way they have been, I've been using newer drives here and there just, and, and, Often, like, it's a cycle, so eventually I'll get back to the old one. But this time, I'm actually increasing the drive. Um, I've been going stupidly on a 120-gig drive on just my Windows OS for a while. I've been trying to get back to a 240 along the way I downgraded to a 120. So it's going to be a fresh drive. And, and I, I prefer to operate that way where... And I've done this for years where when I am doing a reinstall, I try to keep that other drive sitting there 
because if something goes wrong, like I go to connect on a live stream and some driver I forgot about is missing, I can boot back into the yep. old drive. And I've done it. I had it happen when I first went to Windows 10. I, uh, I ended up, we were about to record and there was a significant thing that happened on the Gunna Geek show. And it was, I wasn't going to be able to do the show. So I opened my computer, popped in the old I8 drive, booted back up and we we're... Remember that. Yeah, you remember that? I do, I do. I, I was shocked actually that you were able to get it up and running as quickly as you did. Now, you didn't actually seat the drive in there. You just plugged it in. So if you kicked the computer, the drive could have come out or whatever. But yeah, at the beginning of the show, that's why I was showing the drive. This is literally my podcast machine as it was uh, two weeks ago. So I could drop this in and I could be off to the races, no problem whatsoever. And uh, that's, it's great. But one thing that I started doing, but I didn't do this time is take an image. I didn't do an image because I still had the hard drive, but the last time I did everything, I did take images before I proceeded. And they're all on USB drives. So let's go ahead and shut things down. If you got any questions in between, please head over to our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord, or find us on Twitter at BetterPod, or just chat with us when we do stream live at geeks.live. There's a lot of other awesome geeky content at geeks.live. We've got a calendar there of a variety of different live shows. And sometimes those live shows can't go on their day, so they record on another day. So if you're watching this live and you're into other geeky stuff, uh, All Things Good and Nerdy started about 10 minutes ago. So you can probably refresh the page once we shut this down, and I think they'll be there. But otherwise, there's other Geeks.Live content other days of the week. So for episode number three, I guess, of the live stream, I'm Stephen John Drew saying... Thanks for checking out our live stream, and uh, we hope we continue to grow this. MSP saying, just waiting for that 10th episode before we release this as a separate podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks for this. I was and doing security week. cameras last week. Maybe next week. We'll see. <laughs> and next week for a regularly scheduled episode. We'll see you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.